Hello, this is Gerald O'Connor, and welcome to the Hand Me Down Podcast, a podcast of history and family stories. The goal of this series is to tell some of the stories of my family in the context of the history in which those stories occurred. It's part genealogy and part history that I hope you'll enjoy. In this episode, my great-grandfather participates in the very first boycott, and in a way, initiates one of his own. In the spring of 1884, Michael O'Connor had a decision to make. Emigrate out of Ireland or stay put. Abandon his home and join yet another wave of immigrants flowing to America or put up with the desperately poor conditions in County Mayo. It was a decision that four million Irish made in the post-famine era of 1850 to 1929. The Irish had been coming to America since before the American Revolution in relatively small but steady numbers. Some came ashore after the Napoleonic era and the War of 1812 in the so-called era of good feelings during the presidency of James Monroe. This immigration was fueled by the demand for labor in such enterprises as the Erie Canal and the early railroads of the 1820s and 30s. I don't have any evidence of any of my ancestors coming to the United States before or during this period. The second wave of Irish immigration, and certainly the most famous, occurred as a result of the great hunger of the 1840s and 50s, precipitated by a blight of the staple potato crop and the subsequent famine that was maintained by stringent, ineffective, and inhuman British land and food policies. As a result, a million Irish died from starvation or diseases such as typhus, and perhaps twice that many fled the country, including relatives from the Desmond side of my family. Michael O'Connor was born in 1850, two years before the worst of the famine ended. He grew up learning to be a farmer, like his father, Michael, before him. In the absence of a census, land records known as Griffith's Valuation provides detailed information on where people lived in Ireland and the property they possessed between 1848 and 1864. According to those records, the elder Michael O'Connor held 56 acres of land as a tenant of Lord Kilmaine outside Ballinrobe in the western county of Mayo. He was even able to sublet a couple of houses on the property, which probably helped to lighten his financial burden. The elder Michael was born around 1817 and had married Catherine Carney 10 years his junior. They had seven children in 20 years, beginning with David in 1849. But Michael and Catherine died a day apart, she on January 31, 1872, at the age of 45, and Michael Sr. the very next day. There's no record of how they died, disease, accident, fire, just that Michael Jr. was now 21 and not the eldest.
Michael liked farming. It's what he knew. It's what his father had taught him. But as the second oldest child, Michael wasn't able to inherit tenancy under the Irish Landlord and Tenant Act of 1870. Only one child, the eldest David, could take over as tenant on the property. If Michael wanted to make a life for himself and a future family, he'd have to find some other accommodations or leave, like many of his countrymen had done before and many were starting to do again. For the first few years after their parents' deaths, Michael probably stayed on with his brother helping him to farm the land. But that couldn't reasonably work with only 56 acres of farmland. Michael married Mary Elizabeth Kine in February 1876 at the All Saints Church in Clonbur, just a few miles away in County Galway. Michael listed himself as a farmer on the marriage registry and again on the registration for his firstborn, my great-grandfather Thomas, who arrived on December 7th, 1876. December 7th just happens to be my birthday, too. But soon, young Michael and Mary managed to set themselves up with a little shop for general merchandise in the nearby village of Kong, which sits on the Galway-Mayo border. Movie buffs will know the village of Kong as the primary location for the filming of the 1952 John Ford film The Quiet Man, starring John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. After the passage of laws like the Land Act of 1870, rents increased and evictions were common. The period from 1870 to the 1890s came to be known as the Land Wars. The Irish National Land League organized resistance movements to reduce evictions or prevent police actions. Some of the evictions were violent, but resistance also took the form of nonviolent protest. The Land League's Charles Stuart Parnell led a campaign called the Three F's, Fair Rent, Fixity of Tenure, and Free Sale. One of the land agents in the Loch Mask area of Mayo lived off the exorbitant rents he collected. In 1880, this agent sent about evicting 11 tenants, and the Mayo branch of the Irish Land League urged the agent's employees to withdraw their labor and stop working as land. Locals organized a campaign of isolation against the agent in the community. That agent's name was Charles Boycott. Mayo residents ignored and ostracized him, and shopkeepers in Ballinrobe and Kong, and probably including Michael O'Connor, refused to serve him or provide him with services. From those actions, we now have the term boycott. Charles Cunningham Boycott appealed to the press in England for help. And by November, some 50 volunteers from the Orange North, supported by a thousand English troops, helped to harvest his land. But as one newspaper stated, it probably cost 10,000 pounds to harvest 500 pounds worth of crop. By December, Boycott had had enough of County Mayo and left Ireland in disgrace, his name forever attached to campaigns to put economic and social pressure on oppressors. 
the publicity meant that the tactic and the name boycott would catch on throughout Ireland and was reported around the globe. By 1884, Michael O'Connor had had enough as well. His wife's brothers, Michael and Anthony Kine, had emigrated to America starting in 1869 to work on the Union Pacific Railroad, and they were now farming successfully, apparently, in central Nebraska. The Homestead Act of 1862 allowed immigrants to obtain up to 160 acres for just a nominal filing fee. Michael had saved up enough to join them and booked passage on the SS Canadian. He and Mary and their growing family with six kids, Thomas, age seven, Patrick, age five, Catherine, four, Michael, three, Mary, two, and David, age six months, joined a third wave of immigration out of Ireland. They landed in Boston on June 3, 1884. Their ultimate destination, Grand Island, Nebraska. Michael would never return to Ireland in what might be considered his final boycott. That's it for now. My thanks to my cousins Ron O'Connor and Sharon Hill Newman for copies of and links to documents and images. If you would like to see the images, documents, and a copy of the Griffiths valuation mentioned in this episode, be sure to visit the website at o'connor.home.blog. This podcast was written and produced by me, Gerald O'Connor. The theme music is by Andy Slatter at Audio Jungle, with additional music by Kevin McLeod under a Creative Commons license. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time on Hand Me Down.